Hey everyone, welcome back. My name is Sam. And I'm Melissa. I grew up in the FLDS community. It is a polygamous group run by Warren Jeffs, and I moved out when I was just 18 years old. I was raised LDS. Sam and I have been married for nine years now. Crazy. We just had our anniversary last week, so Time it's like flies. almost. <laughs> we have two awesome kiddos, and now our mission on this channel is to create compassion and awareness for communities that are misunderstood, marginalized, and or abused by their leaders, and help empower those who have left, like Sam, by helping share their stories. And today we're very excited to welcome Leandra with us. Welcome and thank you for being here. She's actually the daughter of Erna and Jeff Black, which we recently had on our channel, and Kyle Black's older sister. Awesome. Older sister. So thank you so much for being here, welcome. If you have not checked out the Black's stories before, uh, Kyle's story and Erna and Jeff's, then you can click above to be able to check out their stories and hear more about what it was like for them and oh my gosh, there's just, we've had so much love and support for their family. And so we were so excited when Landra said that she was willing to talk to us and share her perspective of being a child trafficked along with her brother, Kyle, but then also from a girl's perspective and what it was like to be an older sister in that situation, watching that abuse happen to your other brothers. Yeah. So Leandra, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. Perfect. Well, first of all, just thank you for being willing to share your story at all with us. We know that it takes a lot to be able to stand up for what actually happened and kind of relive those moments. I know that can be hard sometimes, um, but we're really grateful for your courageousness and being yes. able to talk about it. So thank you so much. Oh man, where to even begin? So we know that it was, you, you dealt with a lot growing up, not only in Colorado, Short Creek area, but uh, other places as well. It sounds like you were sent around to different places. But before we get into all of that, let's just go back to the beginning of your story and, and ask what was it like for you as a young child growing up in the FLDS community? I was born about the middle child of eight siblings. And first we had toys and, and a lot of stuff that normal kids would have. And then as I got older, they started taking more toys away, and then one day they're just like, no toys, no activities, only work, and we couldn't really, I never really got to know anybody outside of just FLDS relatives, cousins, my aunts and uncles and all that, anyways. What was it like being a young girl? Like, what were you taught your purpose was? What were you taught about, like, who you were meant to be being in the church? I was taught that as I got of age, then I was going to be appointed a man to marry, and that was my purpose, to be the wife and, and clean and cook and do all the stuff for a husband. How old did they tell you the age of, like, being ready, or what was the word you just used? Uh, prepared. Yeah, like being the right age, yeah. that you're going to be assigned. Being the right age. I don't really remember them giving me, giving me a certain age. Okay. They just said, when you're prepared and ready. Oh. And uh, I actually don't really remember the first time. I just remember always having that in my head as a little girl. I really hated my dress because we'd go out swimming back when I was younger, and I would always sink because of my dress. And I would <laughs> tell my mom, I don't want to wear this. And she's like, well, this is this is Uncle Warren's will. we got to obey the prophet. And so, you know, yeah. I had to, but... So, oh, go ahead. No, I'm just going to point out that it's interesting that you were allowed to <laughs> swim at all because swimming in my family wasn't really allowed, you know? So did you swim often in your big, nice, 
prairie dress? <laughs> Not really. It was just sometimes when I was little here and there, and then a few times when I was a teenager. So okay. it wasn't all, all the time. It was more like when my dad was like, oh, yeah, we're going on a storehouse project to get stinging nettle or whatever, and then we'd go to the river and sneak behind their backs and get on tubes and yeah. float down the river and <laughs> have fun. So. so all fun was hindered by your prairie dress. <laughs> So yes. you're like, prairie dress equals no fun. <laughs> yeah. Especially being the uh, tom girl outside type person. Everyone uh, tried to make me come in the house and learn how to be a wife and all that. And I fought a lot. So, What was your favorite things and activities to do when you were little? My favorite was taking care of chickens, uh, going out and helping my brother fix up the chicken coop and watching my dad do mechanic work. Wow. So you like to do outdoor stuff? Yes. Okay, you didn't like to be inside. And I still do. <laughs> okay, so, so you, were, you wouldn't have been excited then to become a housewife? No. Maybe the first or the fifth or the sixth? Yeah, did you have a number that you wanted to be? Because it seems like a lot of girls who are from there say, I wanted to be the first wife or I wanted to be the second wife or they have like a specific number. Well, my thoughts on it is I never really actually agreed to it mm. in my true heart, but... To me, I just was like, well, I'd rather be a second wife if I really have to, because then that way, if there, if it's a man that needs to learn, at least he'll learn on somebody else and not me. <laughs> Even though that's a little bit selfish. No, but. I love that. And it's, it's funny because that's one of the first times we've heard that point of view. A lot of times the women will say, oh, I wanted to be the first wife because it seems like they had more power over the wives to come later on. So, you, so I like your perspective. I like though. your perspective. Like, let him get all the kinks worked out with the first <laughs> yeah. one, and then hopefully he'll be a better husband by the time I come along. And, I and even at that, I never really liked to be the center of attention, so oh, okay. that kind of helps you understand that point of view as well. How old were you when they stopped doing marriages altogether? Like, was marriage ever something that you were worried you were going to be assigned, or did they stop that when you were still pretty young? They stopped it when I was still pretty young. Okay. So, but that... But I was still, like, afraid, I should say. It, I don't really know how to explain the feeling, but I, I, was, I wondered if they were going to do it anyways because they claimed that the prophet was going to get delivered if we had all this faith. So I thought, you know, he's going to get out any day, and then we're all going to get married, which is all bull crap. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it created fear still, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. there's still that. Yeah. So you were told... By fear. You were told, even at a young age, that when Warren was released, you were told he was going to be released if people were faithful enough. And then you were afraid that if he was released, that you would be married or assigned to a man almost right away. Was that kind of the Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Idea. Yeah. So when I turned 11, then um, that's when they started doing non-member, member household and stuff like that. And I was a non-member my, with my dad right off, and then my mom and sisters were members. So what was it like finding out that you were a non-member at only 11 years old? What was the process like? Like, did they bring you into interviews? Did they talk to you first? Or did they just declare that that's how it was? 
so we all got interviewed and we had to uh, confess what we thought was sins and and whatever and they would ask all these questions but they would bring you in alone with a whole bunch of men and for me being 11 mm -hmm. I remember getting really kind of creeped out but I didn't understand the feeling because I wasn't really allowed to explore any other emotions besides you know faith a lot of fear driven by fear so mm. thinking of it now I realize what kind of a creepy situation I was in but then I was just thought it was you know Warren's will whatever this is what I gotta do and I just remember knowing that my life was gonna be changed after that do you remember and you tell me if you're comfortable with this or not what are some of the things that at 11 years old they would have said were a sin or that you would have felt like you would have had to confess at 11? Like, so people can get an idea. Because when I think of 11-year-old kids, I can't think of things that they do that could be considered a sin. Yeah. Well, for one, I it would be a sin if I was looking at boys, even just looking at them, whether I was thinking wrong or not would be a sin if I was to scrub myself in the shower because you're not even supposed to touch yourself even in the shower. I mean, oh clean Lord. yourself, so. Oh my, so I, I have so many questions. <laughs> First off, when you say looking at a boy, like if you glance at a boy that's walking by. You're not supposed to make eye contact or even look at him. Just if you, if you see a boy walking up, just look down, look away, avoid even Wow. So, so these are the type of confessions that they're getting out 11 year olds like mm -hmm. oh well I did look at a boy once yeah. in church and yeah I mean when I was growing up it wasn't quite that strict it seemed like it was you, you weren't supposed to talk to the opposite sex and that type of thing but it didn't seem like they would get us we wouldn't get in trouble by looking so this it seems like things got a lot more strict as time went on definitely uh, and then as far as scrubbing in the shower uh, I mean, were you just not allowed to get, just sprinkle some shampoo and rinse it off? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, really? Or like, you know, use a scrub brush or whatever, but if you... Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Wow. Okay, thanks. Wow. I mean, I think that gives a lot of insight. I know that seems like an odd question, but it gives insight to the idea of what they considered sins. Because like I said, I think most people and most of our viewers are probably thinking the same thing with me. I'm like, how does an 11 year old sin? <laughs> or like, what are the things they're convincing you of that are sins that we all know are not? Wow, right? so, yeah, that's crazy. I have a few more things that would be sins. So yeah. if we were to wear a hat and put it on backwards or roll up our sleeves, so our sleeves have to be right down to our wrists, like right here, if it's even that much, you know, that was a sin. If our the end of our hair was hanging, that was a sin. It was supposed to be rolled up and and clear up on our head and all these tight French braids. And we have to have a wave. So if we didn't do a wave, that was a sin. So a lot of the way you appeared was, I mean, and that was similar to the way I was raised. I will say, though, you mentioned that your hair had to be rolled up at the end. That's something that came along later on because I remember the women in the FLDS walking around with, you know, a good six inches of hanging hair. Was that, told, were you told you had to roll that up at the end? Yes, you couldn't even see the end at all of the hair. Wow. The sins of the mothers. The yeah. kids are being punished <laughs> for those six inches at the end of the braids that their moms had. Yeah. So now those girls are, oh wow. my word. That's, that's... I also think it's interesting that the word sin is used so much, it seems like. 
Like those weren't rules. Like you weren't breaking a rule. You were sinning, right? Is that how they always worded it so harshly? And then they would say, you can become a member as soon as God forgives you of the sins and you've learned to not make the sins anymore. Like to repent? Yeah. But if, as long as you don't sin, then God will forgive you after you haven't sinned for so long. And at 11 years old, you were told you were a non-member and that you had to live away with your dad that was also a non-member? At first, we we all lived in the same house, and then they're like, now all non-members and members have to be separated. And so they put members and members in a household and say, okay, now you're a family, and put non-members and non-members in a household. Total strangers I'd never met. Did you end up having to live in a different household completely? My mom was going to move me in with some non-members. Uh, one of them was my aunt. And I was super scared, and so she decided she was going to try and figure something out. And then I guess they decided to let me be a member because I had repented for three months or whatever. So when you say you repented for three months, what did you do? Did you you just follow the rules better? Is that all that you were really doing? Yeah, and I prayed a lot more. And the funny thing is, is I actually still looked at boys, but I just... I just learned how to hide it better, which <laughs> that right there is actually when I started to lose my faith because I was like, you know, if God sees everything and it's a sin to look at boys and I've looked at boys, but now here I am a member mm-hmm. and I remember cutting myself off right there thinking I can't, I can't have those thoughts. Those are evil thoughts. You know, God's going to kill me if I keep thinking this. <laughs> I can see that being a little bit hard on your faith if you realize, oh, they're never going to know if I don't tell them because I remember that too growing up in the FLDS. I thought that Warren Jeffs knew everything I was doing because God was telling him what I was doing. And so I imagine it was a similar situation for you where once you realized he didn't know what you were doing, maybe God isn't talking to him like I was told he was. Is that kind of a thought you had? Yes. So you get to become a member and then I know we had talked earlier about the fact that then you're father was separated, right, from the family at that, as a non-member. What was that like for you? Because you're still pretty young. You're only 11 still at this time, 11 years old. That that was really hard because we weren't really allowed to talk to him or anything or have any contact, but yet he lived in the same town. We didn't know where he lived. And my mom and siblings that were all members, we lived in another house with my uh, two of my aunts that were sister wives and the situation started to become kind of abusive. Mom started reporting it to the bishop and all that like you're supposed to because you're not supposed to go to the law. You got to go to the prophet and the bishop. And Wow. Can you tell us a little bit more about when you say things started getting abusive, what, what do you mean? And this was in your, your aunt's house and Correct. her sister wife? Correct. Okay, so and, the, and your mom was also living with you at this time in the same house? Yes. Okay, and so what were some things that started happening that needed to be reported? My aunts would try taking food away for a consequence, which mom did not agree with, but mm-hmm. she didn't really have control of where the food came from. And so when they would get the food, they would lock it up or put it in their fridges in their room. And, and uh, one of the mothers would sometimes sneak food and give it to mom, and mom would put it in her fridge. So... It wasn't like we were starving really bad, like we at least got food every day. And they would try making us uh, be grounded for 
per se not going to class or just little things like saying no, not going to the dishes, doing the dishes. But grounded meant you have to stay in the house. You can't do any activities. And activities were like school. Uh, basically not a job but not fun and not toys. So just starting to really control every single little aspect of your life even though those aren't your parental figures right yes. not your mother or your father but they're going to take control of you like you're their property at one point they even tried to correct my mom which at that point she just got us all in the car and drove off that day and was like no i'm done i'm and Good they time. were all they were all screaming throwing rocks at the car chasing Whoa. us Mo moms were doing that and their kids so and they were doing this because they thought they had some power over your mom? Correct. Wow. Is there a reason that they felt that they had the power over her? Were they told that they were higher and mightier or something? Because you were all just members, right? Yes, we were all members. I do not understand why they thought they had more power. I would assume it's because of the man they married was more loyal oh, to the prophet. Okay. So maybe in some ways they thought they were better. I. I don't really have a clear answer for that. So. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It's so interesting because everyone being members, and maybe you were living in their home, so they thought that they had some power over you for that reason as well. Yeah, because we did move right into their house. Yeah. So how long were you in that situation, being in their home? Felt like six years to me, but it was six weeks. Okay. And then what did, where did you go from that? Were you able to go back to your family home? or After the day when Mom decided to drive away because they tried correcting her then she called up the bishop's office and is like I need move right now I'm done with this and so he decided to move us in with some more of my aunts and uncles in another house and we lived in a basement and I remember that basement would flood all the time get our stuff all wet and everything and, mm -hmm. and they just told us oh you gotta keep sweet the rain will quit coming if you keep sweet. And we're going to send people over here to fix it, which they never did. Yeah. Famous keep sweet words. How many times do you think you were told to keep sweet? <laughs> Probably over a trillion or more. <laughs> and basically the word keep sweet in definition would be don't have any feelings except for fear and faith, pretty much. Fear and faith in war and jabs, I assume. Yes, but they didn't use the word fear. They, they call it faith, so. How long was it before your father was able to come back to be a part of your family? So starting from when it first started and my dad became a non-member, it was about five years before I had any contact with him. Whoa, so you didn't see him at all for five years? No. Wow. And uh, what jogged that is my brother became a non-member from being a member and he had to move in with my dad, which I'm surprised they let him go to my dad because they are, are always separating families. And so mom had to, they said mom still had to have contact with her son. And so she would talk to my brother and then he would talk to dad and then he was kind of the in-between go-to for a while there. Did you ever have any feelings of like, wanting to go and live with your dad or was it just the fear of if I have any contact with him then I'm going to hell and I'm sinning by that was the fear enough or did you ever have it was a mix thing? of both I had a lot of love for my dad so yes of course I wanted to go see him and and everything but I thought that if I did then you know I'd go to hell and 
not live eternal life and all this crap so well that's what you were told right yeah that's what I was told from the day I was born pretty much in fact yeah the day I was born I mean <laughs> it's just so much fear like you said but they would never use the word fear of course and that's what would force the followers I would say to be obedient and like you say keep sweet and uh, man, I'm sorry that you had to deal with that I can't imagine how hard it would be to one day be told you're no longer allowed to be with one of your parents and that's that did you ever attempt to reach out to your dad during that time or did you just try to follow the rules and hope that he would come back someday I tried to follow the rules because I didn't want to become a non-member and not be able to live with my mom because my dad was in a what they called a boys home where they had a whole bunch of boys put in a non-member home so if I would have became a non-member I most likely would have been put in a non-member girls home which none of my sisters were non-members so I would have been alone with strangers so you had to be extra careful yeah. to be extra good so you didn't get that separation because you couldn't go live with your dad correct either are there any other main memories or anything that you want to talk about leading up from you know being a young girl teenager to before both of your parents were sent away were there any main memories or anything you wanted to talk about those were the better days compared to what happened after my parents got sent so even though it was a lot of strictness and people trying to kind of rule over you, a lot of control, a lot of fear that you're going to be separated from the family that you did get to be with at that time, it still was overall, you felt like it was still okay, even though all considered, I guess. Yeah. How I feel now, I know none of it's okay, but those, those are definitely better memories than and what was to come. Yeah, what's to come. So before everything blew up as we will get into after those several years of your dad being away did he actually get to move back with you and your family no he didn't okay so you did see him again but never actually living with him uh -uh. okay wow and then what happens after that uh, you, you live with this family for well you and your mom and siblings are living with this other family for a while what kind of led to change beyond that point? They decided that they needed to send my parents away. And so they had a notarizer, which was actually a fake notarizer. Oh, no. And they tried uh, getting mom to sign all the kids over to my aunt, which we thought it was all legal. But we know now it's, it's all illegal, fake notarizer and all that. Oh, my word. So how did you hear about your parents? Or what did, what did that look like hearing that they were going to be sent away? We know that they had a couple weeks to kind of get their affairs in order, but they were telling us how they had to kind of put you in under your aunt's care pretty quickly after they heard they were going to leave. What were you told when you were put into your aunt's care? I was told that I wouldn't ever get to see my parents for a while, and they didn't know how long, or it just basically depends on when God forgives them and when they're done repenting and they've got to have extra faith to, to get God to forgive their sins. So basically unknown when I would ever see them again. Did they tell you what kind of sins your parents had committed for this? No, but later on my aunt uh, used that against me and told me it was uh, when they were making me. So when they were having sex before I was, before my mom was pregnant with me, then 
for some reason that was a sin because they weren't supposed to have kids then and so basically I was their sin. So oh my, my gosh. gosh. Your aunt told you this? Yes. So basically in a roundabout way blaming you or blaming... Your existence. I, I guess not necessarily blaming you but making you think that it's all your fault that because you're, because of you your parents were gone. Correct. Oh my gosh. That's perfect. <laughs> that is just... And so manipulative. I can't even imagine. So that was years later that they tell you that, right? But in the moment at first, when it first happens, you don't know why. And they're telling you it's an unknown amount of time, just whenever they repent. Did they give you a lot of hope that it would be soon? Like, did they try to tell you, oh, don't worry, it won't be long? Or did they make it sound like it was not very likely they were ever going to come back? I kind of got a mix of both from different people, just kind of. Yeah, they're, they'll they'll repent soon because they're good people from my mom's good friends and stuff. But the people that I didn't know were enemies at the time that became enemies, they, they told me, yeah, they won't be back for a long time. Did anyone that was, you mentioned some good friends of your parents, did anyone try to, I guess, have your parents back and say, no, they probably didn't do anything wrong? Or did they all just believe what the leaders said and say, nope, they obviously did something wrong, that's why they're gone, and uh, hopefully they can repent of it? Well, I'm sure that they they thought that in their head, but if they would have said anything like that, they would have immediately got sent away, and they would have lost their kids. So mm -hmm. it wasn't worth that risk to even say that to her, because what if she slipped up to someone else, and then they told the bishop, and... So, that makes sense. It's a very good point. It go, this fear that you talk about goes well beyond just your own family. So. It, it controlled full-grown adults that were, that were born into it and grew up and had kids, you know. They were so afraid to lose their own kids and family that they're just like, nope, we're get, we got to do the Lord's will. So. so how old were you when your parents got sent away together? I was 14. 14, okay. And you get... Your parents are sent away, you're with your aunt, and did you know this aunt from before? Did you have a relationship with that family? Did you feel like, okay, I'm at least with family and I'm going to be safe? Yeah, I knew her a little bit, but not a whole lot. I can't really say as I felt safe. I wanted my mom to leave me with my other aunt really bad, but I don't really know the exact reason why she chose the one she did. Gotcha. Or to know how much of a choice it really was for your mom too, yeah, right? Because so. your mom's being under control as well. Right. Oh, I do actually know why. It had to be someone who was under a caretaker. And mm -hmm. so the other aunt that I wanted to go with was just with her husband and not under a caretaker. And, okay. and her husband was not uh, good enough to be a caretaker or whatever. So. Mm -hmm. and, and for our viewers who haven't heard that term or don't know exactly what you mean, what was a caretaker? So a caretaker is a man that holds priesthood and he is extremely loyal to the prophet and he basically is kind of like a dad in a way, but more than a dad because he controls every move and is there to do class and make sure you're being a priesthood person and all this crap. Anyways, yeah, I hate caretakers. <laughs> it's basically like having a Warren's ally, I would say. So you get put into this home, and what were some of the biggest shocks at first of being put in the care? Other than obviously you're going to miss your parents, you're going to be like, what's going on with that? What were some of the major differences going from 
being brought up in your household to this new household being completely different at 14 years old? The very second my parents pulled away, I remember watching them drive down the road and they grabbed me and they're like, okay, get in the van, we're going to do the dishes. And, and we're all like, no, what the heck? We're all trying to be sad and they're like, get over it, they're going to be gone for a while. And, and they completely changed our whole schedule, everything, and they're like, we're doing all this to make sure that you don't think about your parents. You got to pretty much, they're pretty much gone forever. And every time we tried bringing them up, then we were like, going to go to hell. So we're not supposed to think about them or remember them. It didn't matter if it was their birthday or not. Just We're supposed to completely forget them. Wow. Is that, did they actually use those words that you need to forget your parents? Yes. Uh, they would say that if I don't forget my parents, they can't repent. Wow. So once again, blaming you for, for something that your parents supposedly did. I mean, this is... And that you have no control over as a child. Anyway. The manipulation. Correct. Wow. So you go in and they're having a whole different lifestyle. You're getting adjusted to this new family. Tell us more about what it was like because we had kind of talked a little bit before this about you got moved pretty quickly, right, into different homes. Were you always under the same caretakers, or did you get them moved around between caretakers as well? We were under the same caretaker the whole time. Okay, so you had the same caretaker, which was your, your aunt's husband? It okay. couldn't be a husband to be a caretaker. Oh, but so were caretakers men? Yes, correct. Well, he could be married, but basically he couldn't be the caretaker over his own family. So you're under a caretaker in this home, the same home that your aunt lived in. Is that right? Correct. Okay. And then from there, were you, did you stay in that house for years to come? Or, or what, did they, what did the living situation look like after you were placed with that family? We were moved in right before my parents left, like a few days before... Then we stayed there for about three months, and during that time, then they would, my brothers would start talking to me, and then they would turn, they were trying to turn my younger brothers against me, and if they talked to me, they would go whip them with a belt, or make them sit on, on a chair all day, or take food away from them all day, for even trying to speak to me, and I kept running away and I made this little hideout spot where they couldn't find me. That was kind of off in the bushes off beside the road. And I was told that was the reason we had to move because we needed to move so that I can't ditch them anymore. Wow. How old were your brothers at this time where they're getting beat for even trying to talk to you? Uh, my youngest brother was six. Okay. So these are young boys. Yes, correct. And then. The oldest one out of the four was Ken. Wow. And they're whipping these boys because they were talking to you, even Correct. though you were living in the same house? Correct. Oh, my. Were all of your other siblings, did you all live in that same house? Yes, we did. You mentioned that you had to move. What did that look like? We just moved a couple blocks away from the house we lived in to a different one. Um... I don't know if that's the reason we moved, but I was told that, I assume I was told that to put more fear into me, to have more control, mm. and try and get me to quit running away. And at that point, you still weren't able to have any contact with your parents, right? They didn't let you call or send letters, nothing, no communication with your parents? No. 
Were you ever worried that your parents couldn't know where you were with you moving around, or did you just figure that was between them and the church and just have to keep your head down? We were told that if they knew where we were, they couldn't repent, and if we knew where they were, they couldn't repent either. Wow. So were they holding a carrot out in front of you, telling you that your parents were going to be able to come back eventually, or did you not even really have hope in them ever returning? I had hope, but also if we were ever to mention them, we would get a consequence like a whipping or sitting time out because we're supposed to forget them in order for them to repent and not think of them. How long was it before, or should I say if you ever did, did you ever lose hope that you were going to be able to see them again? I guess deep down in my heart I, I knew I'd see them again, but I, I didn't know when. I, it was a lot of mixed feelings and, a, and so much stress that it's almost like that, that had to be in the back of my mind. Yeah. Had to keep the hope. Yeah. My goodness. And you've mentioned a couple times that there would be a consequence or a beating or a whipping or something. Who was doing this? Uh, my aunt and also the other aunt that lived with us. So when they first got sent away, we got moved. The first house was with two different families. And one of them was a sister wife to some of the kids that lived with us but they were still family, and then my other aunt, and then her kids. So these were actual relatives of yes. yours mm -hmm. that were harming you. Correct. I mean, this is just beyond my comprehension. I know that within families, harm does happen, but it's just so sad to think that this was someone that you probably thought you could trust at first. Like, hey, this is my aunt. I can trust that she will take care of me to some extent. And then to have it turn around and just be this awful experience. Yeah, everything I knew about her before was extremely sweet side before I ever, ever lived with her. And before we ever got separated from our parents and my mom said, okay, we're sending you with this aunt. I immediately didn't feel good about it, but I just kind of went with it and kind of ignored it and was like, okay, that's just the devil trying to whisper in my ear because mm -hmm. God always knows best. and. Now, I know you'd mentioned that you had gotten moved around. How many times did you get moved around? You got moved to house down the street, and then later you got moved out of state, is that right? So we got, after we got moved down the street, then we got moved across town um, to a different house, and then about that time, then some of my cousins that were living with us, they kind of had some of their life grown up outside of the church and then got invited back, so they had a little more knowledge than I did and so they were they were starting to educate me what a 14 year old should know <laughs> and the mothers is what they call them which were my aunts over us uh, found out about it told the caretaker and so they moved them out of the house the cousins that were helping me mm -hmm. and so me and my sisters started running away to go to them for comfort and get more knowledge and and whatever just kind of, they were kind of a getaway also and our caretaker found out and got really mad and then I I believe that that's why they moved us out of state because that's when they moved us out is after we they found out we were running away to them so you're saying that they moved you out of state do you have any idea if they informed your parents that were forced away from the community did they inform them that you were moving out of state no they did not Wow. 
And this whole time, you've been told that you were legally signed away to your caretakers. Correct. So I wouldn't have even had that question or that knowledge. Like, I, I wasn't taught anything about the law except for, you know, seatbelt, basic rules, stuff like that. So, What was it like when you went out of state and they moved you that far away from the people who were caring for you? It felt very lonely and hopeless. Like, I didn't have anybody around. But that's when I, I started running away and learning to trust people around me, like the neighbors. Some, one time that I was cold, me and my brother would go and scrape uh, snow for people's driveways to get money so that we could get food because they were starving us. And one time then the neighbors brought us in and gave us hot chocolate, which it was a sin to eat sugar or chocolate. And I remember thinking, you know what, it, God will have to forgive us this time because we're so hungry. So we just drank it. Wow. And so which state did you move to? Colorado. Colorado State and when you say neighbors did you have other neighbors in homes where you lived that were also members of the FLDS or were these neighbors that were Gentiles as they would be called they were all Gentiles okay so you got to the point that you trusted outsiders over those within the FLDS correct whoa after the way you've been raised that's saying something that's saying something because I remember as a young boy growing up in the FLDS, I was terrified of the outside world, terrified because of what I was told, that they were uh, not good people and that they would cause you harm and, and the different things that we were told growing up. Were you told those things as well, that the outside world was not good? Yes, I was. Um, it, it did drive me into a lot of fear where I didn't dare tell them the abuse. I didn't dare tell them really anything about my life. They'd be like, How's, how are you doing? And I would just say, good, and, you know, pretend like everything's jolly or whatever. Wow. You got really good at keeping sweet, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but I would, when I would run away because I was just sick of the tense stress at home, then I would just go to them and, and see them and visit them. But I always felt guilty every time. Wow. What would be the consequences when you got home of trying to run away or avoid what your caretakers are wanting you to do? What were the consequences for that? They were always different, um, but most of the time starvation. Couldn't eat for a whole day, or, or if I was gone for 30 minutes, I couldn't eat for three days, or it, it just however much time is the more time I couldn't eat. And when you were running away or gone, it was to go try to scrape up a couple cents to buy some food or, or to go take, uh, go to a home that would allow you some food or things like that. Correct. So my aunt would also take her kids and leave and go down to the crypt to visit people. And when she did that, we were all on food stamps and she would take the food card with her and she wouldn't buy us any food before she left because she'd usually usually leave right before it got repaid or money got put back on it. Then she would leave, not get us food, and would be left with like a few potatoes and sometimes nothing like they would take everything out of the fridge sometimes and put it all in a cooler box and tell us well this is because you guys are trying to be rebellious and and then they would go down to the creek for like a week or more and we'd be left with nothing to eat then when they got back they would tell us how they went and spent the food cart on my other cousins and had a bunch of families and took food to them and gave it to them and 
and and they're blessing families, but but yet here we are up there starving, getting left with no vehicle, no no way to go anywhere, no job, nothing. Just we're supposed to have the whole house deep cleaned when they get back, which was like a seven bedroom or bigger house. And deep cleaning consisted in scrubbing every single inch of the house, like not just wiping the dust off, like you gotta get down on your hands and knees, scrub all the corners, scrub the whole ceiling, scrub the carpets, wash down every chair, clean every piece of silverware, everything, wash all the bedding, do all your wash, clean out the whole garage. We didn't even have a pressure washer, but we're supposed to have it spotless, you know, so. So how did you guys survive through that? Well, um, we started to make the time when they left us peace, so to speak, because it would be just this, just my siblings there. And yeah, we were starving, but it was kind of like a break from them. And we just started getting to the point to where we're like, screw deep cleaning, we're not gonna do that. And my sister had a phone and we had some games on there and we'd play uh, little video game, phone games and stuff which they never found out about or they they would have got really mad. But. And so your sister, your older sister I assume, she had a phone and what? how did she, was that phone given to her by members of the church so that they could contact her or how did she get that? She got the phone from my parents way before they got sent away and she had uh, had to fight pretty hard to hold on to it that whole time. And eventually, because we kept calling my cousins, which were the ones that helped me get a lot of knowledge, then they took the phone away and we weren't able to contact anybody for about a month or more. And finally they gave her a little flip phone. And at that point, I, me being kind of a rebellious teenager, then I, I was like, this is bullcrap. And so I started saving some of the money from scraping snow. and. Um, sometimes I'd steal a little bit of change from my aunt or wherever I could find money off, even a penny off the street. And eventually I saved up like 30 bucks and I got convinced my sister to take me to the store and I was like, I need to run grab something. And she came in there because she, she had to make sure I was being all good. Mm -hmm. So I just was like, never mind, I don't want anything. And then I went back out because I didn't want to spend my money because I wanted to get a phone. And then I was like, oh shit, I need the bathroom, I need to run in, and she was worn out, so she stayed out, and I ran in, and I bought a phone, and I had sewed a little pocket for the phone in my leggings, so <gasps> under my dress. Oh, wow. And I, I bought it, and I went out in between the doors where she couldn't see me, but out of the store, barely. I opened the phone, and I was all, all the people around me were, like, suspicious, because I was all, like, kind of hiding, because I didn't want my sister to see, and I broke open the package and got the phone out, put it in my pocket, put all the papers and everything and left the package there and went running out and, and their store person was all looking at me weird. I was glad that I got a phone because um, it, it was hard to keep the phone on, which I had internet and that's when I was able to start googling stuff and getting more knowledge and I was able to talk to my cousin and she was able to mail me some movies with a little tiny SIM card. That's what I was going to ask is, what was your intention with getting the phone? Were there people that you could call? Were there still people you were worried you couldn't call? Like, did you think, oh, I can call my parents? Or did you think, I can only call other members that 
are in secret. The reason I wanted the phone was to talk to those cousins because I had formed a bond and they were the only ones that were supportive and they wanted to give me knowledge instead of tear me down. So just really quick here, you mentioned that you would go and scrape people's neighbors' driveways and things like that to make a little bit of money. Uh, we have people reach out to us all the time asking. We have some of these, some of the people from FLDS moving into our community. What can we do to help them? We want to help, but we don't want to scare them. So I just want to ask you what your experience was. How did you first even know that you could go scrape a driveway to make a little bit of money? What was that connection with the neighbors like? I didn't really think of it as money at first. Me and my siblings were like, hey, let's go do something fun. And so we, you know, fun to us was, was work. Mm. And so we started scraping our driveway and that was fun. So we went over to the neighbors and we just went in their yard and just scraped it. And their guy, their the neighbor guy comes out and he's like, hey, that's so nice of you guys. And he just handed us 20 bucks. Oh, so we're wow. like, hey, let's just start knocking on their doors and asking them. And, and that guy was like, just basically neighbors, and he's like, anytime, I'll pay you. Um, wow, that's amazing. So just someone being kind. Yes. Well, and you were also being kind by going and <laughs> scraping his driveway. But that's good to hear that just by being kind, that goes a long way. So, okay, that's good to know for, for the viewers. So to answer your question on that, what could you do if... Uh, FLDS moved into your community. It really depends on the situation because if you saw one walking down the street and you were to open your door, hey, come in, you know, to them, that'd be like, oh no, a mass murder, you know, this is creepy, I'm gonna run, you know, but if they're someone who's not too scared, you know, they might go in if they're kind of a rebellious teenager. I, I can't really say because every situation is different. Right. But just That's overall kindness always goes a long correct. way, right? Yeah. yeah. Did your phone ever get found out about? And what would have been the punishment if they had found out that you had gotten that phone that you were keeping under your dress? So they did find out about the phone later, which is uh, one of the reasons why they wanted to separate all the kids, which led my sister to sending us back to our parents. Now before going into getting sent back or the situation of getting found out for rebellion or having those rebellious moments. But what were some of the abuses that you experienced or that you saw your siblings experience? I know you said that you really wanted to share that so that people could hear what's happening in these situations and what's happening within the FLDS. Did you want to share some of that, of your story and what you saw? 